0: Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrull, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured, for better and sometimes worse, across 80 countries on all 7 continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends, welcome to podcast number 3 so uh i'm going to be talking about what it's like to go mad and i think i'm in the probably the unenviable position of actually having been mad but also in the fortunate position that i was mad and now i'm not so i have the ability to look back and actually tell people what it was like um so I made a few notes, and I'm just going to launch into it. If you if you want to like and subscribe, um, obviously, I'd appreciate it. And hopefully, you'll get something out of these podcasts. So, just to set the scene, there I was in Hong Kong. Uh, I was living this lifestyle. That's me, or at least that's a stuntman pretending to be me on top of a building in Wan Chai in Hong Kong. I'd, um, that's the English cover of my book, Eating Smoke. So it's one man's descent into crystal meth psychosis in Hong Kong's triad heartland. Now, psychosis is a form of schizophrenia and Mine was brought on by crystal meth addiction. So I left the Royal Marines Commandos. um, It's kind of an elite fighting unit here in the UK. And I'd gone to Hong Kong to run a business. It was quite a successful business. And within a short space of time over there, everything started to go wrong. I was addicted to this drug, crystal meth. You can see more about that in my second podcast, and it. I, I lost job after job before finally. Uh, I was working in the red light district, the clubland district in Hong Kong, as a nightclub doorman for the 14K. And if you're not aware, the 14K are Hong Kong's most violent triad family, so. I was the uh doorman in their, their one of their nightclubs, and to say things got a bit savage at times, uh certainly a bit eye-opening would be an understatement. But I'll try and focus on the on the madness, as it were. So I was living um, I'd sold my Rolex, I'd sold my Rolex to get the money for a flat because I was homeless, and I'd moved into the flat with a Filipino girl, a bar girl, uh, who needed somewhere to stay, and she moved into the flat the day that I got the keys for the flat, and it was in one of the shittiest parts of Hong Kong, and the flat itself was, well, it was like you'd never get another Westerner living there, they'd just turn their nose up. To me, I had nothing. i I'd been on the drugs so long now, I'd I really lost almost everything, including my Rolex, obviously. So I left her in this desolate flat and I headed downtown to the market to go and find a blanket. So at least she could keep warm, right? And I was high on meth, as I was by that time. I'd, I'd started taking it kind of infrequently. Then it got more regularly. Then it just became a, I just wanted to be on it all the time sort of thing. And I'd not had any massive problems with it till now. To my knowledge, I mean, obviously I was, but when you're addicted, you, you don't know you're addicted. So you can't see, you know, your life going like this. And I was in that market in Wan Chai. And there was an open frontage shop. And in the front of the shop were a stack of like hospital blankets, you know, those rough grey blankets like we had them in the military. Um, and I picked one up just looking for a price. And I looked and it had a tiny white label on a piece of cotton attached to it. And I turned the label over and on the back of it was written, waste, just just one word waste Now in that instant my life changed astronomically because I realized that that tag waste meant that this blanket was one of the ones that the North American Settlers and the U.S. Army and cavalry—they gave to the indigenous Indian population back in the Wild West days, right, the frontier days—purposely uh, infected with smallpox and tuberculosis to wipe out the Indian community. You know this. You know this story, right? So I'm in Wan Chai in Hong Kong, looking at this blanket, thinking, how how, how can it be one of those blankets that was used to to kill, kill Indians, it was just so weird and I got this cold feeling came over me and I started to look around and I got this like sixth sense telling me that this woman who owned the shop, like she knew and there's this guy standing on the corner and I'm looking at him and he maybe flicked his eyes at me. I—I I, was a long time ago. I don't remember. But then I'd be like, uh, he knows. And in that moment, I sensed that the world that I'd lived in all the time I'd been in Hong Kong, which was about six or seven months now, wasn't the world that I thought it was. That there was some massive conspiracy going on. And that I just stumbled down the rabbit hole and I could suddenly see things now for, for, for what they were, right? Maybe it wasn't even Hong Kong. Maybe it was my whole life. I started to think like, who could be in on this? You know? So, cut a long story short, you can see there, that was my first episode of psychosis. And you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just tell yourself nonsense with the blankets? They can't have been, you know, Indian blankets, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like that. You see, when you're mentally unwell, and it's the first time it's happening to you, you don't know you're mentally unwell. You just think you're completely normal. A bit like with the addiction, you know, you don't know you're addicted. Even when people kept telling you, hey, Chris, you know, you're acting a bit weird. Your life's spiraling a bit there, mate come on, you've lost another. You're just like, no, I'm fine. You know, I, I just need to smoke a bit more of this drug, right? And it's the same with mental illness. If you don't know the signs, you you don't know you're in it. And I was to spend the next three months like this. And I was in my own world of horror because the people around me couldn't tell this is how I was living. And this is how my brain was working. So I'll um, insert a video here so you can see just a rough approximation of what I was seeing, right? And what, it, what was happening was I, I'd taken the drug so long, the synapses in my brain that should have been firing you know drugs like serotonin and and uh dopamine and this kind of thing that should have been firing signals like this to the receptors suddenly they were all like going out of sync right to get it you know the the chemical balance had changed now i had changed mine simply by taking so much of this crystal meth right ice So I hate to think and I, I feel sorry for someone who, who, who goes mad, um, without that input, right? Because I, at least when I stopped taking the crystal meth, the madness went away, which wouldn't be for a few months. But to have that permanently must be, must be awful, right? So I'm there in Hong Kong and my episodes would fluctuate i i wouldn't just be full on in that mental state all the time i'd i'd be high most of the time but it generally tended to be when i was really high and i'd phase into it without even knowing and i started to kind of feel that i was on a quest to unravel whatever this conspiracy was around me right You've got to remember, I'm working in a nightclub in the seediest part of Hong Kong. The guys I worked with, one guy was a hired assassin. It's a Chinese guy, six foot seven. Daisu, his name was. The other guy, Chu Chai, um, he, he was a street fighter called Magi. In, in Cantonese, Magi means little horse. He was a street fighter for the 14K and a runner and a kind of errand boy right he was savage this guy you know as soon as a fight broke out it, you see him just looking for whatever weapon he could pick up just so he could basically cave his enemy's head in with it right and i was fascinated how in how these guys lived how the 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 parallels with being in the military were were, were quite a lot believe it or not you know they wore a kind of underground uniform they used to wear these white shell suits and white trainers and they had their clandine you know methods of communication or you know all this a matchstick in the lips could mean something it it was very deep so I've got this going on around me and I'm trying to kind of get to the bottom of this because it really fascinated me but then I've also got this weird conspiracy that's going on that I don't know is caused by the drugs right so one day excuse me looking at my notes here one day I was in the kitchen of this rubbish flat uh, where I lived this crummy old in this crummy old building and I'd had this Indian guy that owned the flat the landlord moved back in it wasn't the best situation it was pretty fraught really but he had one bedroom I had the other and And one day I was in the kitchen, and I happened to look at the white tiles on the kitchen, and there was a procession of ants, and they were going, they were going along the base of the tiles like this. They were going up, up. They were making the form of a perfect crucifix, and then they were going off again. And I stared at this for hours, thinking, I mean, literally like, I would have looked at that for about two hours. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe how clever this conspiracy has got ants involved. It was insane. When I went back later the next day, and I wasn't so high, and I'd I'd calmed down, or maybe I'd had a sleep, and I'd woke up and didn't have any drugs right, I went back in the kitchen, and I looked for these ants, and all i saw on the tiles was a like a thumbprint and my indian housemate we weren't really mates but you know he'd ob- he'd been cooking a chicken and he'd obviously just done that mark on the tiles accidentally as he just touched them with a little bit of blood and those ants had been coming in from outside and following that blood around and it just happened to be a crucifix they just give it, that just shows you how my mind was completely misinterpreting misinterpre- it, right? So, um, then one day I, I happened to be looking out the window and I lived on the top floor. Um, I lived on the top floor of this building. So I was about 70 meters up, up in the air. It was, it was about a 20 story building. And I looked down. And in the courtyard below, there was five or six cats lounging around, it's like the courtyard of a restaurant that was in the, the back of the build, building opposite, to the rear of the building opposite, so maybe behind a restaurant, it was a courtyard. And, and I looked at the one of these cats, and it got up. But rather than get up like a cat, you know, just move normally, it went and it moved as if it was on a zip wire and I found this fascinating I, I couldn't believe it and I stared for ages thinking this they're not they're not cats they're puppets they're puppets every time one of them moved it was the same right and then a guy came out the back of the restaurant and he was chopping meat and my mind's telling me look at him look he chops Two times at the meat shuts the door. Two times at the meat shuts the door. And I watched this until it got dark. And it was just fascinating. And my mind, I'm getting this voice. You often hear uh, madness. People talk about, you know, hearing voices, right? But what I was getting, and I can't speak for other people, obviously, but I wonder if they were getting the same it's, it's like you have three voices. You have your voices. I'm talking to you now. Then you have your thoughts' voice, like we all think, right? Hmm. Wonder if I should go to the shops, like that voice. And then I had this third voice, that was my psychotic voice. It was coming in between the two. So I think, oh, I wonder if I should go to the shops. My my thoughts are going. Yeah, Chris, you know, you should really go to the shop. You know, go and get that, That go and get something a week. And then the voice in the middle is saying, like, yeah, but like, what's at the shops? And why go to the shops? And it's giving me this really contorted, misconstrued message. And that was the voice that's talking to me when I'm looking down at these cats. And the voice starts saying, so. Puppets. They're puppets, Chris. They're not cats. They're puppets. Where do puppets come from? Puppets come from Asia. Didn't puppets originate in Asia? Wow. So these are puppets. Who is operating them? There was a a guy that lived in the building opposite, and his window was on a level with mine, right? But he was a real short Chinese guy, so I only ever could see the top of his head. And this voice in my head, this like my my inner voice, you can say, was telling me he was the puppet master and he's controlling these cats. And I'm just finding this fascinating beyond belief. It's like I'm learning stuff I I would never have believed was true. And and I, I, you know, I can't believe it, but it's fascinating. You know, it's just fascinating. And uh, the thoughts slowly occur. Maybe the whole of Hong Kong is like a big puppet show. Everything, that that car I can hear beeping. "Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm," You know, these car horns. Is that all part, is that like the soundtrack in a puppet show? And the the sign over there swinging and the the traffic light. Is somebody like, you know, controlling all, all this with switches and and pulleys and levers and and cables and you know and it I didn't question you know I I wasn't like questioning my sanity at all because it's just it's just how it was you know it's like you walk into a bar right and you see I don't know there's twenty people in the bar and there's a drink on the counter and there's a DJ you know. You don't go in and question, oh, hang on, I wonder if this is a giant, uh, you know, I wonder if I'm mentally ill and I'm imagining this or I, I'm hallucinating or da 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 da. No, you go in, you think this is a bar, I'm going to order a drink and then talk to my friend, you know. This was the same with my life. It didn't, there was no pointers to tell me that I was imagining things or misconstruing things, right? So it got. Really bizarre because crystal meth. I would stay up all night anyway. One night, one, one time I stayed up for nine days on end. I talk more about that in, in my, the truth about crystal meth podcast. So, um, yeah, one night I was staying up. I was mooching around my, 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 this flat, you know, or at least my room in it. And I'm trying to attend to stuff. And to be honest, I was so, like, off my head, and I've gone mad that I'm just, like, taking things apart, like, I took the air conditioning unit apart, and I have no idea why, I thought somehow I'd, I was going to, like, make it better, or maybe it didn't work, and I thought I could make it function, and it just ended up with everything else strewn across this, this shambles of a room, which just, it, it just become an utter pigsty. It there was drink and ta I mean, it looked like what you'd expect of someone who'd lost the plot. You know, I can look back and it was all a great experience. Right, sad at the time, but looking back, it was a great experience. But you know, to think some people are that challenged mentally—that that is how they live—it's it's really not good, guys. You know, so. One night I was in my room and I looked out the window and the guy in the window opposite, he's putting a coffin and he's leaning a coffin against the glass and he just looked at me and smiled. And I was just like, what message is he trying to give me? The hell is, what the hell is that? Looking back in hindsight, what he was probably doing was hanging a door you know, and he'd taken the door off and he'd lent it, just lent it up against, not the, not the glass window, but, you know, the top of the window. And because of the angle, you know, like the angle, it'd gone like this. And to me, from where I could see it, it looked like a coffin lid, right? Um There was one night where I was staring at this big building in a place called Causeway Bay and in Hong Kong, all the buildings are lit up with neon lights and stuff, right? And I'm staring at this building and I'm looking at the lights and this voice in my head is telling me it's that building in the film King Kong. And I honestly was expecting King Kong to come scrambling around this building, clutching Fei Ray, you know, in in his hand at at, at, at any moment. Um... And, you know, things got really nasty. I mean, I was losing the plot on crystal meth big time. My my place was just a mess. I was starting to have nervous breakdowns, but I didn't know what a nervous breakdown was. I certainly never thought I'd have one, but I was having them and the way they were manifesting is I was just getting emotionally drained so tired from staying up that that I you know like I'd smash the place up out of anger and frustration. And at work this conspiracy had, had morphed itself. Well it 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 hadn't morphed. It in the club I worked in, which was run by the 14K triads, it was frequented by a lot of expats, so Westerners, you know, Americans, Brits, Filipinos Indians, maybe the odd French guy, you know I mean Hong Kong was a British colony back then, and when I did some research when I was writing my my book, "Eating Smoke," I came across something called the Foreign Triad, and I was like, "Ah, because for fifteen odd years I'd wondered what this thing was I'd uncovered. I'd noticed that a lot of these expats would communicate amongst each other using the exact same kind of secret lang- sign language that the Hong Kong triads would use. But at the time, everything just blended into one. I've got this weird puppet show thing going on. I've got cats on strings. I'm working for the triads. I've got these foreign expats who all seem to know more about what's going on in Hong Kong than I am. And I started to get the impression that they wanted me to join their foreign triad, right? And people were asking me if I'd sell drugs, uh, you know, could I sell drugs for them? And I didn't know if this was like a loyalty test. And, and it really got, it really got quite nasty. Um, in fact, one night they set me up to be murdered. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk more about that in another podcast. Of course, I talk about it in my book. It it wasn't what it seemed. And, you know, part of that was to do with my illness, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, I really just started to think that everything was conspiracy. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I just didn't know what was going on. My family at home involved in this was like, the marines when i was in the marines was is that is is that a part of it and i would literally sometimes be talking a different almost a different language to people at, at least from a sort of you know a, a, a mental perspective like i was in someone's house and there was a candle on the table and it had been blown out and the wick it just made a little V shape, you know, like a wick of a candle does, right? It just made a V shape. And I stared at it and, and my friend said to me, Chris, what are you looking at? And I just went, bird. He went, oh, oh yeah. But here's the thing the V in the candle looked like when an artist draw, draws a bird, right? But to me, it, like it was a bird. There's no, I mean, I didn't think it was like going wow 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 or anything like that, or you know, shitting on people or whatever. I, I just thought I just thought it was a bird, and my friends agreeing me, not really knowing that I'm absolutely in a different world. Um, there was one time I, I I would hallucinate so badly that I was walking down the street and I was staring into a shop front. And the shop it was kind of closed down or something and and as I stared in, everything came to life. It was like some kind of weird Terry Gillingham Deep film. And this shop and everything in it, all the front, you know, the, the window display, which was it was like an empty shop or something. It all just took on a life of its own and I started to see a wild west scene in there and people drinking and shooting and you know, yee-haw! And I just absolutely, that's what I saw. And I stared for just hours into this empty shop front. There were people walking past, and I heard these, these girls going, what's he doing? And the other girl, and she's like, I don't know, but he always does this, you know? And I was like, well, I know what I'm doing, and is it not obvious what I'm doing? I'm looking at this Wild West scene, and no, no sooner would it, be a wild west scene, it would change to me. Their eyes just seem to be black, like dull, almost like satanic. And I'm thinking, oh my God, these kids are blind. Shit. Is everybody in Hong Kong blind? Have I been so stupid I haven't and I became convinced that everybody I knew in the red light district, you know, the the, the club land where I worked were all blind and they'd all come to Hong Kong because Hong Kong was a place where blind people could come and live together in like this community and I actually truly believed this and I went out the door and I went to see an old friend of mine because it suddenly occurred to me now that my friend is blind that's why he's behaving strange to me at times you know and of course I went to see my friend and he's like I'm like dude are you all right you know are you like seeing." Seeing things okay, he's like, "Yeah," I'm like, "Like, is the way clear?" He's like, "Yeah, Chris. Like, why? Why wouldn't it be?" I'm okay. Just, uh just wait there. And I started clearing, cleaning his house, moving stuff out the way so he wouldn't trip over on it. Right? It was, you know, it was pretty fucking insane. You yeah. know, it it just was. So. it all came to a it all started to come to a head where in the end i felt so persecuted that nobody understood me all my friends had kind of deserted me i i lost another job i lost my job in the club i got a, jo- a job believe it or not i was teaching a uh, school while in psychosis um you know i wasn't a danger to anyone at any time, like most people that are mentally ill, they're only a danger to themselves, and that was my case. I wasn't going to hurt anyone. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a person. I always loved everybody, and that's like just how my heart is, you know. And it was no change when I was ill, but I, um, I, I, you know, I, I was teaching in this school, and I, I was crazy enough anyway, you know, ex-marine becomes a school teacher you can imagine that there's you know that the teacher came up to me and she said Chris that the children say that your lesson is their favorite lesson and you are their favorite teacher and I was so destroyed by that when this broke me I went home and I just cried my eyes out that like everything's going wrong in my life no one understands me there's this conspiracy going on and yet these children they just love me for who I am you know and I was due to go to school one day and teach, and I, maybe I had to get there for three in the afternoon, you know. And I became engrossed in, a, in an Anthony Robbins self-help book that I always used to have. And I got so engrossed in it, and I'm reading the passageways, and, and Tony is saying, yeah, there's something com- coming up in your life soon, it's going to be great, and it'll change everything. You know, and it's just a self-help book. To me, it's it's become like this manual that's telling me what's happening in my actual life and I'm thinking, my God, something's happening today and it's gonna change my life. And in that moment I thought, oh my god, this thing that's gonna happen, like it it will change my life because I'll suddenly understand this weird conspiracy that's going on. And I will know my part in it and i know why everyone's been like setting me this challenge for these months you know and i'm like but and i'm talking to this voice in my head and i'm like do, but do i have to go to school today it's going ah, what do you think I'm Like, um yeah where, where's where is school today school's in the stadium like in my mind my mind's telling me that i've got to go to school but the school's in a stadium and the stadium is up there in the new territories in Hong Kong, which is like where my school was, right? It's just an area north of Hong Kong. And, and I'm my mind's telling me that the whole stadium has become a school. But if I go up there, every single person that I've ever known, like all my people I went to school with, my teachers, people I was in the military with, all the people I worked in nightclubs, even the managers that had fired me, you know, because I'd lost the plot or, or, or I was rapidly losing it, I figured they'd all be in this stadium and they'd all be like, "Well done, son! You know, you figured it out at last." You know that that's genuinely how how what my mind was saying to me, and, and so I started to like, I'm scrabbling around on the floor, thinking, "Right, right, have a wash, get get washed." Get your shoes polished, get your shirt ironed, get yourself to school in the stadium, you know? And then the voice says, ah, it's too late now. What do you mean? What do you mean it's too late? Oh, school's, school's out for summer. I like, checked my, my watch at this cheap Casio like this that I would bought to replace my Rolex, you know? I'm like, oh, shit. I'm completely late for school. I've missed school so i just didn't go i didn't go to that job that i love with those kids that i love which is you know probably worked out for the best but like i was gutted i was so gutted i was so angry there was only one thing for it i would have to go to the harbor in hong kong hong kong's a big cargo place right there's loads of freight ships and liners and, and these big tall cranes that go up in the sky. I knew what I had to do. I had to go to one of those cranes in the harbour, climb the, you know, what are they, like a 100 feet high? I had to climb off the top, and then I would dive off into the harbour. That, if I would do that, that was it. I'd prove myself to everyone. These triads, these foreign triads, the, these puppet guys, these this weird conspiracy, I'd dive off into the harbour. And and everything would come good. I would prove my worth. And I wouldn't have to keep up this mad, mad quest for, like, what the hell is going on, you know? And that was it. I set off to do it. But I made sure I took my boogie box. Like, you know, like the old... They used to call them ghetto blasters, boom boxes back in the day. I took one of those, even though I had no batteries for it. And I took the Anthony Robbins book. I just... You know, I mean, I really was ill. (laughs) can laugh now, right? You know, but I took them and that was it. And I went for a walk and I walked and I walked and I walked all afternoon. It started getting the evening. It started getting, and I I walked and I'm reading this book. You know, I stopped at this uh, courtyard in between these skyscrapers and it was like two young lads, I don't know, about 10 years old, kicking a ball and. I just put my boogie box down and put my book down and I just went and joined them and played football. And they didn't, you know, they didn't say anything to me. I didn't say anything to them. They just smiled, kicked me the ball. We just played football. And it was just so nice to be accepted, you know, when all this, I was getting all this rejection everywhere I went. And, and then I continued on my quest and I bought this guitar. I looked in a window and there's this guitar and everything about this guitar including the pattern in its sound hole the you know the sticker they put in the guitar sound hole it was sending me these messages that like this you know I need to buy this guitar it's going to help me understand what's going on. So I bought this guitar and like I'd lost all my jobs now I had no more money. I owed 7000 pounds to the bank that's like 12,000 US dollars some something like that um you know 15,000 euros or something and like i had no money i hadn't paid my rent i couldn't pay the landlord i'd smashed up like this place that i was living in with him and it was all just go- going wrong and i i used nearly all my remaining money to buy this guitar thinking that if I learnt to play it. It gave me the answers to this mystery. And and I continued on this, this walk, and I got to a garage, and I just took all my re- remaining Hong Kong dollars and coins, and I shoved them all in the charity box. And I thought, yeah, that will fix everything, you know. So... That evening, I got back to my building. I was, I was almost like cold, even in the tropics. I was lonely. I was skint. I was hungry. I was tired. I was off my head, and I was mad. Right, and I won't. You have to read my book to find out how this happened. But I ended up going up to the roof. It wasn't suicidal. It was nothing about that. Like I hadn't lost any of my self-respect. I still love myself. I, you know, I didn't really know what was happening to me, but I went up to the roof, and there was a, a cable going across to the other building, and there was a water pipe attached to it. And in my mind, all my commando training had trained me for the day when I would crawl across this cable, with seventy meters up in the air. It's it's, a, it's it's not quite a skyscraper, but it's a massive tenement block, and I started to crawl across this cable genuinely believing when i got to the other side like uh this whole thing will be over done and dusted i will know what's going on i've worked out this conspiracy everyone will you know love me again and, and and it will be good right and uh i got about five feet out on that cable and i'm swinging I'm I'm laying on my chest like we were taught in the military, right? And I'm 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 like swinging like this, and I'm looking down, and the the people are tiny, and the cars are tiny, and yeah, I'm not. I won't finish that story because, like, if you want to know it, you you know, you read my book. I, I I'm not trying to plug my books, by the way, guys. It's just somebody watching. My story might help you, and that's all I care about, right? Um, so I'm, you know, please don't think I'm just just doing this to sell books. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to argue if I do, right? But you know, I'm up there and I'm swinging, and I just I started to think about my family back home, and I started to think about my little brother who I hadn't seen for over a year now, and and you know, he's like my best friend, and I haven't spoke to him even on the phone for for ages, and, like, what's he going to think if he gets a phone call to say your brother threw himself off a skyscraper in Hong Kong? Because that's how they'd report my death, right? They'd say I was a drugged up loser who'd thrown himself off a building. And it wasn't true. I mean, yeah, I was drugged up. But, you know, I didn't think I was a loser. And I certainly wasn't suicidal. And, yeah, I had a real moment of clarity. And, you know, it's kind of in the book, you know. Um so it all came to a head one night when I got on a bus. I was I got thrown out of that apartment, that flat. I'd lost my job working for the triads, I'd lost my job teaching English at the school. I had no money left. I was staying with a, a friend who just he like he knew I smoked too much of that drug, but he didn't really understand that I was completely Completely mad, you know. He just he was Chinese, so I guess that I had like a buffer there that that he didn't kind of know when I was being weird or not. And one day I was traveling back to his place on a bus, and everybody on the bus was, you know, I'd done my best to learn Cantonese, the Hong Kong language or the language in southern China, and my brain's not interpreting the words right, I'm hearing them all wrong. And all I'm hearing is people talking about me. And it was insane. I couldn't take it. I was absolutely in bits. It was, imagine being on a bus and there's like 30 people on board and they're all talking about you and they're all like, yeah, that guy, yeah, he lost his job. And in fairness, Cantonese culture can be very harsh. It's it's it's, There's a lot of differences with Western culture. Cantonese can be very scathing. Um, they can just say their thoughts. They think they, 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 they value working hard in a career. They don't value things like taking drugs, you know. So I had enough reason to be paranoid, as it, as it were. But on this bus journey, it, it just did me and I couldn't stand it. I, I just ran off the bus and, um, yeah, fast forward, um, this book Forty Nights is all about my recovery. I did it with no medicine, no uh no doctors, no friends, because all my friends went, no money, no AA meetings, none of that. I just did it just me. Little by little I worked I worked the pieces out, you know. But um I was back in the UK and you can't get crystal meth in the UK that easily, right? So as the crystal meth left my body, I, my the madness went away. Came back a couple of times when I took amphetamine, which I, I continued to do so for like over a year, right? And um, it wasn't for months and months. I even met someone who was a speed dealer, who was a drug dealer who sold speed, right? And he's so but he took heroin and I said, Why do you take heroin when we've got like all this speed? Dude, that doesn't make sense to me, you know? And he's like, Oh no, no, I had psychosis, I'm I'm not going there again. And even then, after I'd had psychosis all these months, I I didn't know what psychosis was, and I didn't know I could guess what he was talking about. It's like some kind of schizo mental disease, isn't it? Psychosis Eight didn't occur to me. That's what I'd been in because I didn't, I still didn't know. And it, it was a very gradual process of, of reflecting back on what went on in Hong Kong, trying to pick out like what was true. Like the Hong Kong trials obviously were true. You know, I'd lived in that building. I mean, things like the physical stuff was all true. But like the cats on strings, fuck, that can't kind have of happened, can it? The puppet master running the whole of Hong Kong. Nah, that that didn't happen. You know, the foreign triad turned out to be true. There's an article about it online, funnily enough. Um, but you know, buying the guitar, thinking it was going to give me answers, that was, yeah, I was kind of hoping there, would not I? You know, and it, and it really took me months to realise. Oh my God, Chris, you were, you were fucking ill, mate. You were really ill. Shit! You were so lucky you didn't kill yourself, you know, accidentally. I mean, all the triads—you didn't upset them, and they—and they took. You know, my friend in Hong Kong got attacked by twelve triads that jumped out of a transit van. They chopped him to bits with meat with meat cleavers. Right, his face looked, looked like he'd run into a tennis net at a hundred mile an hour. He chopped his thumb off. It was hanging like down here, and. uh that turned out to be mistaken identity so yeah you don't like mess with these people right so that's uh yeah that's the story of how i went mad and how i'm lucky to you know be back again with all my faculties and the doctors said i would never recover but i i just chose to ignore them really so yeah Plenty more to talk about guys. I, um maybe the next podcast I'll talk about what it's like to work for the Hong Kong Triads, what they're all about. Um if, you know, for those of you that don't know me, I'm 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 a pilot, I'm a skydiver, I'm a triathlete, I'm a, a hundred mile uh, sorry, thousand mile ultra runner, I ran I run a thousand miles nonstop last year to raise money of veteran um To raise money and awareness of veteran suicide. I'm a graduate in youth work. I'm a drug specialist or substance misuse specialist. I'm a best selling author. Uh, I'm a life coach. Um, I've lived, worked, and traveled in 80 different countries across all seven continents. I'm an Antarctic explorer. Uh, I've dived on icebergs in the in the Southern Polar Circle, so yeah, I got a, I got a few stories, you know, a few podcasts uh, left to do, and I really hope you'll join me for them. So thank you for listening to this one. Please like and subscribe, you know, you know the score there, right? And share, and uh, I'll see you soon, friends. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris. Thrall. Thank you.